sports? Do you like beer? Do you love sports and beer? Then you're exactly where you need to be. This is the Hughes Views and Brews Show on 1252 Sports Chicago. Cheers. And welcome into another Monday night here on Hubes Views and Brews, trying to keep the throat going uh, for the next hour or so. Um, not under the weather, just all of a sudden uh, been yapping too much, probably yelling at the TV or all the people that say the rules for overtime should change. We're going to talk about that and a lot of other things. A lot of great football played in the NFL playoffs. We're down to the final four in the NFL. We'll talk about that also at around 730 we get a chance to talk with Ike Orcutt. Ike is the uh, owner and brewer over at Buckle Down Brewing, and um, we're going to have a great time talking with him. I got some of his barrel-aged stuff sitting here, um, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, too. Uh, they just got done celebrating their eighth anniversary, and for a brewery in uh, this area, in the Western Burbs, he may be one of the first guys that uh, opened up a brewery, and uh, we'll talk with him about that. At around 7.30, we're going to have my guy, um, Fat Mike's going to join me in a couple of minutes. Um, I got a, um, Mike always wears his hat, so I got to put my uh, my Niner cap on. As um, I've had been pulling for the Niners for, heck, since 81. And, um, yeah, there have been some good years, obviously, when they keep winning Super Bowls. Montana with uh, a, a few, four, and um, Steve Young with one. But, um yeah, this has been fun, even though they didn't score an offensive touchdown. We'll get to that game, along with all the other games, too, in just a minute. Now, usually, I crack a beer open because it is Hubes, Views, and Brews. But because my throat's going a little bit, I'm going to save that for when we get Icon from Buckle Down. So I'm drinking some kind of silly energy drink, uh, blue acai or something like that. But it'll keep the throat going, hopefully, for the remainder of the show. It's not nearly as good as I take a sip of this as when I take a sip of some of the many good beers I've been drinking. Oh, and I got it. Also, I did something over the weekend watching the um, Niners Packers game with uh, my neighbor, Jason. And um, he's a Packer fan. His sons are Packer fans. And uh, we were watching the game along with my other neighbor, Mike, and his uh, son in law. And uh, I wasn't, you know, they go, are you getting worried? Are you getting excited? I said, listen, the Niners dominated a decade. I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. You just watch the game and see what happens. And uh, then when the Niners win, I only had two beers, or no, three beers uh, for the whole game. And then in the fourth quarter, after the Niners blocked the field goal, or blocked the punt and scored the touchdown, I immediately said that, um, oh, I'll open another beer now. But then Jason, after the game, he, we had a celebratory shot, and then he opened a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue Label. I've never been a scotch drinker before, and I say before because I was drinking little shot glasses of it and not shooting it, sipping it, but I probably had four or five, and maybe I, if I would have one of those now, the uh, throat would sound just a little bit better. But we're going to take a look at um, the playoff games from this past weekend, and it's funny, too, because everybody was talking about the last game. Everyone's talking about Buffalo, Kansas City. We'll get to that one, too. 
And they're all saying it's like the greatest game, like greatest playoff game, best game ever, and all that kind of stuff. And we're always um, people of the moment, especially with social media and everything now. Everybody wants to be rewarded immediately. And I, if I saw more younger people on ESPN today saying how um, it's the greatest game ever. Jeez. Okay. In 1981, there was a playoff game between the Chargers and the Miami Dolphins. I watched that game. That was 1981. So that would be what? 40 years ago? I mean, yeah, long time, 50 years ago. Okay. Some great, great stuff. And that was wonderful. And um, Kellen Winslow played in that game. You may have seen some of the videos. They carried him off. I mean, he was, um, it was 40 years ago. He was being carried off because he was like completely wiped out, completely done because it was a 14 minute overtime. Okay. And um, the Chargers ended up winning it on a field goal. And we'll talk about overtime. We'll talk about all the games. You rarely, if ever, do you get four walk-off wins and one game better than the next. And that was the most amazing thing about this weekend. And for a while there, I used to think wildcard weekend was the best. And then we know that next Sunday is the best one day because you have the championship games, the AFC and the NFC championship game. And I like calling it the uh, NFL Final Four because nobody else usually does. But uh, I like calling it that. But let's talk about the uh, games that happened uh, just over the weekend because I, when I was wagering on the games, at one point I was going to take the Rams, and I said the road teams won both games on Saturday. They're not going to win the games on Sunday too because I thought Buffalo could beat Kansas City. So I didn't take the Rams because I hate the Rams actually, and I couldn't have been happier that Jalen Ramsey got burned by Mike Evans um, in that game too. But, um, yeah, the Rams found a way to win after almost blowing a 27 to three lead. But, um, Mike is going to jump on in. Hopefully he's ready and, uh, jump on in. We'll talk about the games from the weekend. There he is. Since you have a hat, I got to wear a hat. I got to put a hat on. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm always wearing a hat. Cause I'm bald, Fred. I'm bald. I don't want to, I don't want to show this mess that I got going on. Ah. This cabbage I got going on up here. Yeah. Listen, it's not a big deal. Nobody, Nobody really cares after you. When you think about it, it's only you that has to worry about it. Right. Yeah. Really. Me and the wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I've seen, I was at the wedding. I've seen the wedding pictures. You look <laughs> handsome as a bald man in a tuxedo. Thank you. Well, yeah. all, all fat guys look good bald. Yeah, all, I don't. All big guys look good bald. It's just, it's just, it's just a thing. It's just, it's, it? it's just what happens. Yeah. All big okay. guys look good bald. Okay. I'll try to remember that. I'll try to remember that. Um. Okay. First game of the weekend. Now, I loved. I love Joe Burrow. I love the receivers. I loved all that stuff. Tennessee, I didn't think – I was shocked that they were a number one seed coming through the season without Derrick Henry. And then the opening of that game, that's the only time this weekend I got goosebumps. When they showed the opening of the game and they showed Derrick Henry run out onto the field, the people in Nashville went crazy uh, at that ballpark. And um, I just thought they were going to give him the ball more often. Uh, I really did. As it turns out, a really good game. And I'm not a college football guy, but apparently Evan McPherson's been good for a while in college. And uh, this guy boots the 52-yarder, and he just tells the guys on the sideline when they're setting up for it, he goes, well, I guess we're going to go into the AFC championship game. That's that's a gutsy guy for a rookie, and um, that could play a big role coming up this week. But that, that Tennessee-Cincinnati game was fun to watch. Tannehill had three interceptions. Two of them were off receivers. Um, but I thought sometimes they were trying to force the issue. And um, it surprised me. But 
What were your thoughts on the Bengals and uh, the Titans in that one? You got to give credit to where credit's due. The Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals defense really stepped up. <clears throat> a thing that was a, a, an Achilles heel for him last year with Joe Burrow being healthy was the defense was just constantly giving up points. Over the last six or seven weeks, the Cincinnati Bengals have really found their mainstay in, in the defensive category and locking down receivers and just being a full-blown awesome defensive team like they have been absolutely phenomenal over the last six or seven weeks and it showed this last weekend going up against um uh, against tennessee titans uh it's 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 huge they stopped uh, all all albeit derrick henry with the metal plate in his foot coming back off of injury right but they also stopped pretty much aj brown they stopped julio jones and they stopped the other running back, Foreman, Devontae Foreman. Well, Foreman. kind of. Foreman, kind every of. time Foreman got the ball, it seemed like he had a 15-yard right. gain. Yeah. Evan McPherson is – this guys, I mean, this this is funny, Fred. Everybody laughs me every single year when I take a kicker in the eighth, ninth round of the fantasy football. He's one of those guys. He's, he's up there with Justin Tucker and Harrison Butker, a guy that's going to get you a legit 150, 160 points a year in fantasy. And Evan McPherson has been – dynamite yeah absolutely dynamite since the green bay game with mason crossbar i mean sorry mason crosby <laughs> um that that's where he's been he's been <laughs> phenomenal every week since i mean nailing big kicks over after big kick after big kick and the cincinnati bengals are a fun team to watch they're a they fun are team you, to watch. you think about it and you know they have so much firepower at the wide receivers Mixon is a good running back, but all they got was a Mixon touchdown and then a bunch of field goals. They win the game 19-16. I was just happy. I, I was happy Joe Burrow was able to stand up after the game. Nine yeah. sacks. He had no time at all to do anything. And um, we we kind of missed out as fans because you wanted to see Jamar Chase and, and Higgins and Boyd. You wanted to see those guys take advantage. Right. And um, their tight end is an awesome tight end. Um, yeah. Yes, uh, and Usama is really fun to watch, and uh, you wanted to see more of that. And the Tennessee defense was good enough to to limit that a little bit. But uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like it was a good game, but there were a lot of punts, and it's like okay. And you know, if there were a lot of punts in that game, there was not a whole lot of offense in the second game either. But before we go to the second game, so Burrow twenty eight for thirty seven, three forty eight, and um, which is amazing to throw for three forty eight and only get the one the one touchdown, but they did right. set up for field goals. They got the field goal, the first of four walk-off wins on the weekend. And uh, Cincinnati's advancing, and they played Kansas City uh, in Week 17. And if you, I don't know if you remember that, but that was they one of the them. most fun games to watch. Yeah. They won 34-31. So I'm looking forward to that one at uh, Kansas City on uh, Sunday. Well, let's go to the second game because that's what I was all geeked up for as the Niners were taking on Green Bay. And you expected to see, um, well, at the beginning of the game, I don't know why they stopped throwing to Devontae Adams. They hit him four times for 42 yards in the first drive or two, and they marched downfield, scored easily. And there's their touchdown. I'm going, okay. So I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm saying, okay, I don't know that the Niners' defense can can deal with these guys. And if I heard Joe Buck or Troy Aikman say one more time how cold it was and what the wind chill was, the people I was watching the game with were laughing because I just kept going, shut up. It's snowing. It's Green Bay. We know it's cold. You don't have to tell us every damn commercial break how cold it is. And they would flash it up on the screen. 
but the Niners offense wasn't doing much. Jimmy Garoppolo is a, a guy that he threw off his back foot more than Mitch Trubisky ever did with the Bears. He had yep. one picked and he had three others that should have been picked because he would throw off his throw off his back foot, leaning backwards, throw sideline routes. It's like, what are you doing? Every time he throw it up in the air, I was just amazed that, you know, that um, they didn't get intercepted. They used a little bit of Debo Samuel. They used a little bit of Kittle basically in the second half and did just enough. And Kittle four for 63, Samuel three for 44, but he also ran for 39 yards. But the defense stepped up. And when you shut down any any offense to 58 yards in the second half, that's doing something. But when you shut down an Aaron Rodgers offense, you know, that was shocking to me. Now, I know when Dylan went out, that was tough. That was yep. a bad loss for the Packers because you just – but you still had Aaron Jones. You still could have run the ball a little bit. But um, your thoughts on that because the um, the Packers, they didn't show up. And I don't know it's kind of, I don't know if that was I don't know if it was Rodgers or what it was but their offense really didn't seem to show up for this game. Well, AJ Dillon going out was a was a huge huge big big um a uh, play in this game right here because AJ Dillon I don't know what's going on with Aaron Jones but it seems like he's been banged up since the end of last year and they just don't want to advertise it as much. Right. They don't want to they don't want to put that out there. Um, Aaron Jones, when healthy, is a top five running back in this league. He's yep. one of the best. He's very good. He passes out of the backfield. The way he runs, he can go side to side. He can go up the middle. He is a very versatile, versatile running back. But AJ Dillon going out, that was a big, that was a big hiccup on on Green Bay's part. Now this game alone here, I mean, I don't know where to go with this. Fred, you and I were talking at the beginning of the playoffs before the playoffs even started. And I remember telling you, like, hey, listen, San Fran right now as it sits before the playoffs even kicked off, San Fran is the most dangerous team in this playoff. And the reason that they're the most dangerous team is because they control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They are a powerhouse on both sides, on the defensive line, on the offensive line. They just do what they need to do. They do their job. That's what they're there for. If there's any team in the National Football League that just does their job, it's the San Francisco 49ers offensive and defensive line. That's yeah. that team. Like they're just they're so they manhandle people on the offensive front, on the defensive front. They just roll through guys. And then they got guys back too. They got right. uh Joey got Bosa back from concussion. Yeah, and, Warner's back. Yeah. Their problem is going into the game, and I told uh I told Jason the Packer fan, I said, Listen, I said the Niners secondary sucks. It's really not good. It's been bad all season long. Uh, Josh Nelson from Sox Machines, a big 49ers fan, and it was unbelievable how how bad they were throughout much of the season. If they could get protection for the quarterback, they were able to pick apart secondaries, and that's what concerns you a little bit. But um, facing the Rams, they've done it twice before. They've beaten the Rams both games this year. Right. And, right. you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear that thing throughout the uh, week. It's tough to beat a team th three times in the season. Well, we'll see. I mean, the, the the Rams have a situation where they can win this week and then play the Super Bowl at their home stadium. Right. So that'll be something they're actually gunning for. And Robbie Gold doesn't miss. Um, right. And and again, I have I had to tell a lot of people in the last couple of days. Robbie Gold, when he was with the Bears, at the end of his career with the Bears, he wanted a lot of money. They weren't going to pay him a lot of money, and he had a bad year his last year with the Bears. 
right. not as good as his previous years. They let him go. They didn't re-sign him. He went and worked on his kicking, and then he went to the Giants for a year, and then he's been to the Niners since. And whatever he did to figure it out, he's figured it out because he is definitely automatic. And there was no, and it doesn't even look like he kicks the ball hard. It looks like he's kind of like just swinging, you know, just chipping it. And yeah. um, it's amazing. He he, there was no doubt he was going to make it. Absolutely no doubt he was going to make that field goal, forty-five yards. Uh, Packer, the Packers, the Niners win 13, 10, they move on. And it was the, it was two great games and you weren't sure if they'd be any better on Sunday. Well, you were hoping it would be, but you weren't one sure. Thing that really surprised me with that, with that game, Fred, is that the first half Debo Samuel was non-existent. Right. I'm right. sitting here on my couch with a couple of my buddies. We're hanging out. We're having a fun time. We're throwing back a few drinks. And I didn't hear Debo Samuel's name the entire first half. Right, and I sat there and I looked at everybody in the room here, and I'm I, there was four or five people sitting here in in my living room watching this game, and I told them I was like, guys, do not count San Fran out of this game. They haven't even got Debo Samuel involved yet. Yeah, once he gets involved, this this game changes. Like, <coughs> that that is the main player, and like you and I were talking earlier today, Fred, uh, via telephone. You know, you saw him limping off. You saw a couple other guys limping off Kittle. and stuff like that. Kittle, Kittle Trent Williams. Yeah. Right. It, Debo Samuel is the – he is the nucleus of this San Francisco offense. Without him, this offense does not roll. Plain well, and simple. The way he can think run about the it. ball, the way he can catch the ball, the yeah. way he can get the ball out of a screen. The way yeah. he can he, – he is absolutely amazing, Debo Samuel. Yeah, if someone told you before the game the Niners are not going to score an offensive touchdown, you wouldn't think they could win. Right. But they get the they get a blocked they get a blocked uh, field goal uh, at the end of the first half, which pumped them up. Then they get the blocked uh, punt, and um, I know that the Packers were bad on special teams throughout the year, but uh, it it really cost them at the end. So the Niners win thirteen ten. The Rams. Can I ask you one question before yes. we hop onto the Rams game? Yes. If San Fran doesn't block that punt for a touchdown, does San Fran win that game? I don't. Boy, that's tough because I'm not sure if they do because they would have had to establish some kind of offense after that punt. And, at that um, point, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers offense was stagnant at that point. Yeah. They were just dead in the water. Yeah. They were just floating around. Without yeah. that punt, without that blocked punt for a touchdown, I don't think San Fran wins that game. Yeah, so it shows you how, how special special teams truly are. Exactly. The second game, or the, or the first game on Sunday, I texted, I don't know, late first quarters, early second quarter. I said, is it, is it safe for me to take a nap now? Because the game was out of hand. It was early third quarter. It's 27-3. And I'm looking at it, and I say, yeah, I know. Yeah, sure. Tom Brady came back 28-3 in the Super Bowl against Atlanta. I remember it well. But um, I didn't think there was any chance. And then we see what the Rams are made of. Why they want to give the ball to Cam Akers 24 times for 48 yards is beyond me. You had Sony Michelle. You had other guys you could do the things with. You have, um, you know, you had Cooper Cup. You have some other good receivers. And it was weird. Stafford had a great game, 28 for 38 for 366, a couple of touchdowns. But giving the ball away. And then the snap, and if I'm not mistaken, the center is from Hinsdale Central. Um, uh, and he snaps the ball. I think he was the center. Um, he snaps the ball past, um, uh, Stafford and, um, Tampa got every break down the stretch 
They had every opportunity. And, of course, they come back and tie it with Brady. And Brady just hit the guys he had to, and he didn't do. They didn't use Cameron Braid a whole heck of a lot. They didn't use – we saw O.J. Howard, which I don't think we've seen for three years. Uh, right. He made a catch. That was actually a big catch. But um, you look at it, they're a team that lost so many of the receivers. You know, Godwin gone, Antonio Brown gone, and um, they used a Scotty Miller, you know, which we knew from a couple of years ago. And right. um, it was interesting. I, I just – the Rams, the way the Rams were able to come back and win that game. And how you let Cooper Cup get open for those two big catches he made. I mean, Cup also fumbled. He was also one of the reasons the rant, you know, that the – Bucks got back into the game, but for Cooper Cup to have those get so wide open, they said after the game that on the deep pass, they call it the the like um, oh I can't remember what he, what Stafford said, but it's like one of those things. He goes, you can run it a hundred times. We're only going to throw it once, and they did throw it that time because the Bucks completely lost coverage on Cooper Cup. He's yes. the one guy. He's the guy that after watching these games this weekend, he could be the MVP. Well, let's 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 go to the big glaring hole here, Fred. I mean, let, let's be honest here. The reason the Bucks lost that game isn't because of offense. Is not because they lost Cooper Cup down the seam in the middle of the, at the end of the fourth quarter. There, the reason they lost that game is because they gave every ounce of every yard in special teams on every kickoff. That, that, the kicker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kicking the ball three out of four times out, out of bounds. 15-yard yeah. penalty, giving the ball at the 45. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, You have one job. Your job is to kick the ball straight, plain and simple. Your your job is to kick the ball out of the end zone. I don't want you, I don't want you to cough and corner anything. No. Just kick the damn ball, plain and simple. Yeah. And when you give the ball back to Matt Stafford and that high-powered offense of the St. Uh, I almost said St. Louis Rams. The yeah, Rams. we'll say it. Yeah. All right. You know when you give the when you give the ball back to the forty-five, the forty-five. What are you doing? What are you? You're cutting the field in half. Yeah. Three yeah. times, and all three of those times, the Rams scored. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I mean that, and, and kudos. I mean, kudos. Yeah. Kudos. I, I hate Tom Brady with the passion of a thousand sons. All right. I really do. But I changed my tone on him. I changed my tune on him a long time ago. He is amazing. All right. He really is. He played a shit first half. He really yep. did. Excuse my French. I know you're trying to be PC here. But he he pretty <laughs> okay. He played he played a crap first half in that game. Yeah. The second half of that game, it was 20 to 3 in halftime. Battles down, makes it 27-27. That's not his fault. No, it's not. That's and not we fault. we can go away from that because, um, you know, you said it's not his fault. And um, then we go to the last game, the game everyone's talking about today, is Kansas City 42-36 over Buffalo in overtime. And you saw a lot of people are saying that they watched the Chicago Bears play football. And they said it's not the same sport that we saw in that last game. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not a Mahomes Josh Allen sport. And people are just saying, well, Justin Fields could do the same. Well, let's hold off, back off a little bit here. Okay. It's going to take a while for a Justin Fields to do anything like these two guys were doing. When you got a six foot five inch quarterback, 240 pounds, yeah. and the moves he was making, the moves exactly. he was making and getting away from rushers was amazing. And 
finding Gabriel Davis in the end zone. Not one, not two, not three. Four times. Exactly. 201 yards, four times in the touchdown. And the one time that when, when Davis put the fake on the guy, the guy from Kansas City, he just falls down. It's like, oh, my God. He's going to see that forever. He's happy. He's lucky they won because he can, he can laugh about it. But right. that was a game where um, start, start to finish, it was a great game. Uh, and it was it was awesome. It was beautiful. And one yeah. one thing I will say, Fred, is that the AFC has, and I, I don't like to use this word because it makes me sound smart, but the because <laughs> I'm not I'm not a smart guy. You know me, Fred. I'm not a smart guy. <laughs> the AFC has a plethora, yeah, of quarterbacks for the next ten to fifteen years. They do. With Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. The list goes on and on and on. Who knows what Zach Wilson's going to be? Who knows what Trevor Lawrence is going to be? Right. The, the, what what the AFC has at the quarterback right at the quarterback position right now is absolutely filthy. Now, yesterday in that game, I mean, you you know that right on the head. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are both cheat codes. Yeah. I, I, I use that word. I, I I mean, it's I throw it out there all the time. But I'm being 100% honest. That first drive, Patrick Mahomes, I'm watching that game. I made a post about it, a 35-yard drive, a left-handed shuffle pass, and then and then he throws for a touchdown. Like, my brain hurt. My I literally had a headache after yeah. watching what he did on that very first opening drive for Kansas City. It's absolutely unfathomable and unbelievable on what that guy can do. And I then Josh believe. Allen combatants it and yeah. scores another touchdown as well. Yeah, I couldn't believe how – they allowed Mahomes to get free up the middle on, on their rushing. And I understand that if they're playing a man-to-man where Leslie Frazier, and I was thinking Leslie Frazier might be a good choice for the Bears, not so much after yesterday. Yeah, no but, way. But after the, them playing man-to-man on these guys, and you see as soon as he gets past a lot of scrimmage, everybody's downfield. He's got nothing but wide open field to run with, and um, he, he did it. And Mahomes – He's a guy that when you watch him, he's so good. And then what he does after the game, after the game, he throws a touchdown pass to Kelsey in overtime. They get the win. He runs down, celebrates with Kelsey, immediately leaves and goes right. and finds Josh Allen and gives him a hug and says, because yeah. those two guys are going to be playing for a long time. A long, long time. time they, these two guys are going to be they, battling they, together. That just, shows the, that just shows what type of pro Patrick Mahomes is. Yep. All right. You you like to see that type of stuff in today's NFL. You like to see the guy that's like, dude. You like I to see it in any of, you know in any mean? of the sports. You like to see it, right? Yeah. You yeah, like to in see any that. You, yeah. You like to see that, like just just that group hug. Hey, man, I love you. Great game. Right. You right. know, like a high five, a slap on the ass. Yeah. You know, like hey, congratulations. You know, it's and it's it's almost like hey, sorry. You know what I mean? Right. Like a sorry hug. You know what I mean? Yeah. Honestly, like if I beat you in chess after we played ten games. I'd be like, oh, dude, sorry, that was a great game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I your hug. You know, but it, it's one of those type of things. And Patrick Mahomes, the 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 guy is he is literally a video game. He is yeah. absolutely insane. And Josh Allen's not too far from it. No, and Josh Allen. Allen is honestly, I would give, I would, I would literally saw saw off my left arm <laughs> right now. To have Josh Allen as the Bears' next quarterback because that guy is absolutely amazing. And but, after last night, all all this talk around here in Chicago, the the GM, the the the, the yeah. coach, yada yada yada. I would love to have Brian Dable as our next head coach. Well, here's the question: 
Is it Brian Dayball? Is it is it Josh Allen? And it's the same thing with is it Byron Leftwich or Tom Brady? Is it it's Patrick? Tom Brady. You know who's it calling Patrick, the plays down there in Tampa. It's is it Tom Patrick Brady. Mahomes or Eric Bieniemy? I mean. You know, are you going to go off and get the guy and people say, well, you know, Dayball made uh, Josh Allen. Well, you know what? Josh Allen did a lot of good things before he got there, too, when he was in college. Right. And right. now he's now he's able to take his game up to the next level. And, and um, you, know, the, the, you know, another thing is, too, is that you look you look at all these head coaching GM options. Right now, the Bears are interviewing everybody underneath the sun. Yeah, there's about nine people. guys on each side. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, like, uh, to, I know that we're not talking about the Bears, but we are talking about the Bears because I brought it up because I'm a, I'm a dipshit. Right. But um, but with the Bears here, I really like Brian Dayball. Can you imagine? It's, I'm just going to leave you with this, all right? The, 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 the Buffalo Bills have one legitimate option at wide receiver, and that's Stephon Diggs. And well, a pretty damn good tight end. Gabriel Davis showed he was pretty good. He, he showed that he was pretty good too, but uh, yeah, until the until the last night's game, he was unheard of. Well, actually, the last couple because I I took him yesterday to score a touchdown in the game. I didn't take him to score four. I took him to score one, and because he had done that the week before also, and uh, he's he's a guy that now going forward they have hopefully for them uh, they have that, but. They didn't throw to Dawson Knox hardly at all, which right. shocked the hell out of me. Right, but could you imagine with what we've seen over the last couple of weeks? I've been I've been the big proponent and the big, the big you know combatant of he Brian Dayball does not run the ball enough. Yeah, why would you want that guy here in Chicago if he doesn't run the ball? Could you imagine what? David Montgomery can do if he saw eight passes a game. Yeah. Could you, I mean, literally eight passes and 16 rushes. Can you imagine what David Montgomery can do? I mean, it would, it would take this offense to that next level of what we need the Chicago bears to be. Did you notice, and we just got another minute or two here, but did you notice that a lot of the offenses this week in both Buffalo and Kansas City, they like throwing those little those little sideline uh, wide receiver screens. The Bears do that and never gain any yards. Yeah. I don't know well, what it is. Yeah. Well, I I'll, guess. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what that is. I mean, you could – and I was breaking this down for everybody on Saturday too. The offensive line, that's that's where it all starts. Fred, you, yeah. you know I'm a big proponent of the big boys up front. Right, right. My inner fat man. That's I mean, uh -huh. that, that's where it's at. You got You got to go with the horses up front. The way the offensive line has changed over the last five to ten years is is is, is super sentence. It, it, it's ridiculous on how fast these big men are nowadays. Yeah, to where you can pull and protect in your tight well, ends to, to pull and protect for a screen pass. It's the like, Niners were really Niners cool. were pulling Trent Williams from right, the far exactly, left side. Exactly, yeah. he's a big boy, that. but he can move. It, they did that a couple times. One time they did it, it was a disaster. The other time they did it, it worked quite well. Okay, right. a minute and a half, two minutes, we have to talk about overtime. Now, I don't have a problem. I remember overtime. That game I was telling you in 81, Chargers and Miami, it was sudden death, and they went to 38-38, and I think the final was 41-38. Right. And I don't have a problem with it. If I read one more person say, coin toss decided the game, no, it doesn't. All you have to do is make a stop. Right. They don't score. The, the team doesn't score every time they have the ball in the game in the first 60 minutes. All you got to do is make a stop and make them force a field goal, do something, and you get the ball right. back. Now, the numbers 
show differently. The numbers in overtime, since they've had this rule, the numbers are 10 to 1. The coin toss winner wins the game. Right. But Buffalo was so brutal, first of all, with 13 seconds to go. First of all, they should have squib kicked it. Let's let's reemphasize that really quick. Yeah. 13 seconds, Fred. I know. I 13 know. seconds. 13 seconds to go. Yeah. Fred, can you name the three quarterbacks that you give no time to it under any circumstance? Well, usually it's Rodgers, Brady, and Mahomes. Exactly. Yeah. You don't you nail that right on the head. You don't give those you don't give those guys any time. But still the, reason, okay, the defense ahead, ahead. that the defense that Leslie Frazier's guys played. You allow that you see on the replay, and I saw it a dozen times today, if not more. The three receivers lined up on the one side. Two are going to block and they're going to throw to Tyreek Hill. You can tell. I mean, you, you're, a guy on defense has to figure that out. That's one play. The next play, they allow they allow um, Kelsey to get wide open and get into the you know into area for the um, for the field goal. And Butker, even though Butker missed a field goal and an extra point. Uh, he wasn't going to miss at that point. You pretty much knew that. But I don't have a problem with overtime the way it is. You just got to play defense. And Keenan Allen, for wide receiver for the Chargers, he was on Twitter today. He said, FYI, these games are not decided by a coin toss. Defense wins championships. Don't ever forget it. And you've got to make a stop. You've got to stop somewhere. I know that their offense is very important. But you've got to stop the other team somewhere. And, um, yeah. Uh, the the Buffalo Bills didn't do it. So, see, uh, listen, I, I I love what Keenan Allen said, and I'm not saying that he's wrong, but the way that the NFL has transitioned over the last ten to fifteen years, it's not defense wins championships anymore. What it is is one stop wins championships. Is what it is. We all saw this. We all saw Kansas City a few years back with a terrible defense win a Super Bowl. They yeah. made one stop to win that Super Bowl. We all saw last year when the Bucks won it. They weren't that great. I mean, no. they, they played pretty good in the, in the Super Bowl, but they weren't all that great in the Super Bowl. They made one stop that made the difference of that game, and that's where the that's where the football that's where NFL is going now. If you well, can make one stop when it counts, one stop when it counts, that's what will win you the big game. How many times during the course of the season did we say about the Bears? All they needed to do was make one stop. Yep. Exactly. One stop at the end of the game, and they couldn't do it about a half dozen times. Yep. That's why that's why they're not a winning team because they're exactly not make one one stop. stop. That's the, yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's that's just the way it goes. And then the the way it is right now in the NFL, it's so high powered offense because that's what everybody wants to see. They're protecting the quarterback nowadays. They're protecting all the wide receivers. It, it's you can't touch a quarterback. You can't even look at a quarterback this way without getting a flag. Well, Joe I mean, Burrow would Joe Burrow would hope that no one touches him on uh, on Sunday. <laughs> Sweet Pete, I mean, you ain't joking. It's yeah. going to be fun, but I mean, that's the way the NFL is going right now, Fred. Yeah. I mean, it's that's what it boils down to. Is that's it's, that's exactly where the, the where the NFL is going. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I mean, I'm hoping that the weather is good in Kansas City. I hate playoff games in bad weather um, because you play all season long to get to the best games, and then you play in crappy weather. <laughs> and you can't be your team. You can't be yourself. Right. And um, so, uh, you know, even though the Niners were able to win in bad weather, uh, you know, the team from Northern California coming and uh, and playing. And they it, kept saying, Jimmy Garoppolo's never played in weather under 30. Jimmy Garoppolo grew up in, in Arlington Heights. He went to Rolling <laughs> Meadows High School. You don't think he know what, knows what cold weather is? 
people well, are so so stupid on the broadcast. The thing that pisses me off most about this Bills game, this Bills KC game. Now, I, I I I was lucky enough. All right, I mean, if you can if you can call it that, I was lucky enough to grab the Bills in my random hat pick for the play, for the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. All right, where it's you know you win a couple bucks if they make the Super Bowl, you win a couple bucks if they win the Super Bowl. So it's like either way, I'm in. Right. Um, what pissed me off the most right now in, in that fourth quarter. All right, like, like we, I'm, I'm going to reiterate back to what we said. Thirteen seconds. There's too much time. Right. Why aren't you squib kicking that ball? Oh, it was, it was a complete mistake. What Absolutely. Are you doing? What are yeah. you? And that boils down on Leslie Frazier, and that boils down on the special teams coach for the Buffalo Bills. Well, you, McDermott's got to know that too. I mean, you, I got to. Yeah. I'd love to. If, I didn't. I didn't hear his 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 response if he even gave one about that question. I don't, haven't what heard that. What are so. you doing? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, 13 seconds. Yeah, you can pack all the money in your pocket all you want. Yeah. But it's Patrick yeah. Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. You give those guys the least amount of time as possible. Yeah. That's all it, that's all it takes is two plays and a timeout. That's what it was. I mean, he has to he has to realize that. McDermott has to realize that, that they had two timeouts at that point, two plays, 13 seconds, and a timeout ties that game, forces the overtime, Casey gets the ball, you leave it up to chance in a coin flip, and you lose the game. Yep. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's a shit way. That, that is a shit way to lose a game. Yeah, it's awful. It's not. A, it's not a great game. A great way to lose, but it was a great game. One will be remembered. And it was uh, awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mike, I'm going to let you go. We'll um, we'll talk more next week. Obviously about these two games, the two uh, the final four: Cincinnati and Kansas City. Niners and the Rams. The funny thing is the road teams won all their games this year against them. The Cincinnati beat Kansas City 34-31, and the Niners took two from the Rams. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's take a break, and then we can um, bring on our guy, Ike. Ike, uh, no doubt, has probably been hanging out listening to our babbling crap. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop a beer. We'll talk to Ike. We come back right after this. Hello, this is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. My name is August O'Neill Dozer, and I am. My name is August O'Neill Dozer, and I am running for the 37th state rep, which incorporates New Lenox, Mokina, Lockport, Frankfurt, Orland, Tinley, and Homer Glen. I stand for pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, pro-education, pro-police, and pro-vets. 
I believe that we should have a card for the vets and they could go for service at any hospital or facility in the state of Illinois because they deserve it. My father and grandfather were Chicago policemen and you could see them on my website at www.deuser.us. I was a police officer and I went back to school and became a teacher of students with emotional conditions. I have been on the front line for 30 years. We need to change the culture of politics in Illinois. If you elect me, I will do my best to change the culture. I have integrity going into the job and can't be persuaded to follow the status quo. Visit my website at www.deuser.us. Real estate is hot right now, and you need an attorney to handle all of this. My guy, Mark Berardi, does this all day long. He's a straight shooter. There's no fancy language. He's just to the point. And he and his team get the deal done. There's no BS. He also does estate planning, trusts, wills, and power of attorney. He has great reviews up and down the board from a ton of happy clients. For him and his big team, they're all just down to earth and normal people as much as he is. You will not be disappointed you went with him. He's located in Homer Glen and New Lenox and handles real estate all over Illinois. There's no place too far, so give him a call today at 708-942-8030. Again, that's 708-942-8030 or look him up online at Mark Berardi and Associates. Welcome back. Time to uh, talk some beer after we uh, were talking about the uh, NFL playoffs and why not. It was a, a great weekend of uh, playoff action. Um, and now they're down to the final four in the NFL. Usually I open a beer at the start of the show, but my throat seems to be going a little bit. So I did not open one, but I'm going to open one now and I'm going to open it first. And then we'll bring in our guest because this beer was canned on uh, right at the bottom. It says right here on the bottom. Uh, May 20th of 2019. Now, sometimes I'm I'm definitely guilty of not opening beers and having a couple and then saving a couple. And I did that with this. Uh, and this is a beer from Buckle Down Brewing. And it is a barrel-aged beer. It's Stone and Sea, oatmeal stout aged in bourbon barrels, 12% alcohol by volume. And that usually means a very, very tasty. And they make them and they barrel age them. And then what do I do? I leave it in the can and age it even some more. But it tastes very, very good. Just my first sip. And we bring in the guy that's responsible for these beers in my refrigerator for a long time. Ike Orcutt from uh, Buckle Down Brewing. Ike, how are you doing tonight? Good, Fred. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, I was going to say, I, I went to my fridge. I knew I had one of the... Um, uh, one of the other barrel-aged ones just recently. And then I've got this one. You can maybe tell me which anniversary this was from. Wow, you've got some classics there. I think that's from 2014. Yeah, so. so and I had after we opened. Right. There was another one with the blue label that I drank a while back, and that was wonderful. And I know that when I after I drank it, you and John also commented, Thanks. I'm glad it held up. And uh, you were just doing a video recently about a month or so ago with a lot of your barrel age beers that uh, a lot of the um, the mug club people at for your place for buckle down were enjoying. That had to be awesome because you guys have been cranking out some great beer for 
eight years. That's a, that's a hell of a long time. Uh, did, obviously, you hoped it got this long. But um, how, how cool is it? Because you were basically one of the first breweries in the Western Burbs being eight years old now. Yeah, for sure. Like when we first opened, there was, you know, two brothers further out in Warrenville. There was Salamoth, um, but not not much in kind of that that near Western that right. near Western side. So, yeah, since we've opened, I mean, it's it's a whole different ballgame now, which is fantastic. Yeah. You know, we love yeah. there's we love places everywhere now, breweries, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's funny because I was there for your open. I was there for the first couple of anniversaries. Uh, it was a great place, great beer. And it was it was unique because, I mean, Two Brothers was in Warrenville, and then they opened their place out in um, uh, where Peyton's Roundhouse was. I'd been to Salomo. I was there for the opening there just because I'm nuts. And, you know, I, I heard there was a brewery opening, so I said, why not? Why not head out there? But when, how did you first get into brewing and decide this is what you wanted to do? Sure, yeah. I think the first step was my wife bought me a homebrew kit back in yeah. probably So it's her fault. It's, her it's all her fault. Yeah, she, she has to claim all responsibility. <laughs> so yeah, I was a home brewer for probably almost 10 years. And then I had the the good fortune of, I was working at a job in the West Loop right across the street from where Haymarket opened up. Okay. And and Pete and I, who's Pete's a long suffering Bills fan, and I haven't checked in with them. I haven't, I need to do a, <laughs> uh, you know, status check after last night, make sure, sure. it's okay. Uh, he kind of taught me the ropes. So, you know, we struck off a friendship and he really, kind of taught me how beer was made on a commercial scale. And uh, I'd, I'd been wanting to open my own business for quite some time at that point and um, talked to my wife and we thought it was a good opportunity. So we uh, we jumped right in and got it done. How long do you think it took from the time you decided to do it till the time you opened the doors at Buckle Down? Probably two and a half years. Okay. You know, and, and really of like active working was probably almost a year and a half, you know, getting bank loans lined up and all the paperwork, all the regulatory stuff with with the federal, the state, the local governments. It was it was pretty intensive. When you're making beer, your home brews and things like that. How you obviously were confident that you can make good beer, but what made you confident? Did you have other people that you trusted? Pete, uh, you know, Pete Crowley we're talking about, right? And yeah. you had other other people that tasted your stuff and said, "Listen, you got something here." Is it or how did you go about doing that? Yeah, and that's tricky. I mean, we I did get good feedback, but um, you know, when you're giving people beers, it's kind of a you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're gonna be like, oh, this is terrible. It's like, oh, I'm not giving that guy a beer any, anymore. But uh, so it was kind of tricky to get the right feedback from the right people. But I had a group that I trusted, and and some like pretty trusted advisor like Pete Crowley, and yeah, just you know, I had I had a lot of confidence in myself too. I mean, I I drank a lot of beer, tasted a lot of beer. I was a uh, a beer judge in the homebrew world for okay. quite some time. So I had a good opportunity to taste a lot of different stuff and, and I felt pretty good about the, about the beers. So, you know, I, I was confident. I'm a confident guy though. Yeah. Well, I've seen some of the videos. You're very confident, especially <laughs> with some of the latest ones that are coming out. We'll talk about those in a couple minutes, but um, what was the first beer when the first beer you said, listen, this is going to be either our staple or our main beer um, or our flagship beer or which one, did you know said this is it? We're gonna make sure this one's here. Yeah, that was the belt and suspenders. Okay. You know, because IPA obviously the the market, even in 2013 and probably in 2023 and 2033, it's it's all about IPA. It's driven by that. And yeah, I mean, 20, yeah, November of 2013, the first brew we did on our system was belt and suspenders. 
Okay. Up until about one in the morning that night, working through the kinks and and just it was a, a slog of a brew day. And then got up early to go to Fobab the next morning. It was uh it was God. pretty memorable, but man, it was uh that was a trial by fire that first uh that first brew. But yeah, belt and suspenders. That's and it's been you know a staple ever since for us too. And and then you've also um mixed that with other things too, haven't you? you had grapefruit with it and everything else. Yeah, yeah, it started with grapefruit and that, that kind of was on the heels of what Ballast Point was doing with their fruited IPAs back in okay. 2014, 2015. So yeah, the grapefruit one's a big hit. Blood orange is another one. Yeah, we do a bunch of different flavors. Of- so I've got some other things written down here. Hold on. Um, the location. A lot of people, and I had to explain to a lot of people when I first got involved in going to um, breweries, a lot of the locations are people in industrial areas. Yeah. Now yours is, Interesting, because it's kind of across the street from an industrial area, but you're on a busy street at 47th Street. And once you, you know, a lot of times your parking lot's available. And for big events, it's great because the, the local Lions cops, I guess, are very good. That Heck, they're even helping you cross the street. Probably yeah, not right. for nothing, but they're helping you cross the street. Um, how did you pick the location and how long did that take? Yeah, we, we looked for probably about six months. So we knew the general location. We wanted to be somewhere in, you know, LaGrange, LaGrange Park, um, Lions, that, that right. kind of general area. Not an exact town, but especially looking at that map back in 2012, 2013, it's, we didn't want to be too far west. We didn't want to be in the city. And it seemed like a real good, real good fit. So then work with a local realtor and and just found a space that kind of fit our budget and what we thought we needed for space and what we thought we needed for parking. Uh, I guess in hindsight, you know, those industrial parks are really nice. I mean, look at what uh, Emily and Paul are doing at Skeleton Key with the right. ability to expand so easily. Well, not easily, but right. there's opportunities like that. So we're, we're more of a freestanding building, so a little bit more landlocked, but it works for us. We're about to uh, to acquire the parking lot to the west of us, so that's going to add a bunch of parking and a bunch of opportunities for us. So pretty exciting. It's, it's a great building too. It's really cool. It's got a ton of exposed wood. It's, it's a cool space. Yeah, it is. It's very, very cool. And you guys have done a lot with it over the last couple of years. I remember when I realized that I thought you guys would make it and it wasn't that your brewery was there and you were making good beer, but I went into a restaurant. I think it was Foxes in Hinsdale and they had one of your beers on draft and I'm saying okay once they get into restaurants that's very very cool especially for a, for a microbrewery and things like that how difficult was that and and was that something you did right away or did you wait a certain period of time before going to restaurants and things like that we were pretty much in restaurants and bars from from day one so we've always okay. went to the distributor uh Foxes that that was a great place we we yeah. struck up a like, pretty personal relationship with those guys and what awesome pizza. I mean, is that is that still still open? I don't think it is. I don't, I don't think, think it is. I've driven past a few times. I don't think so. But I remember walking in and I saw that it was on draft. I said, well, that's very cool. And yeah, um, yeah that's that's when it's kind of like that's when you know that things are going well. And uh, like you said, though, you that was part of your original plan to get it done right away. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, all that is a lot of that's driven by personal relationships. You know, we okay. know John knows a ton of people. You know, we have a lot of people, a lot of restaurateurs come into the brewery and talk about collaborations and just talk beer and food. So it, it's it's a nice it's a nice thing to be able to do to to kind of work with another company to help grow both the businesses. That's pretty cool. 
And so obviously with the the restaurants were a thing. So canning was something immediately that was on. I mean, because a lot of the breweries will open up and they won't have canning as one of their first things. They'll say, listen, we want to establish ourselves, want to make sure we're cranking out good beer. Uh, it's not easy or cheap buying a can, the whole canning line. But it seems like you had that was right off the bat something you had to make sure you had done. We actually waited. It was about a year and a half. Before was it really? We, okay. Yeah. So we had some time to kind of dial things in and find out what beers were working and what which weren't. And then we actually got a really good opportunity from knowing some other breweries to to pick up uh, two brothers used canning line when they were ready to upgrade. So that that worked out really well for us. And and it's been a workhorse for us ever since. But yeah, we took a little bit of time getting into cans because it's it's just tricky. You know, it's another versus like a keg at Fox's where you can go in and have a sip when when you put it into cans, they right they're they're everywhere. And um if you're not confident in, in doing the right thing, you can have some issues. Yeah, I can imagine. Um the um a lot of the ideas that you do and you guys do, and I know a lot of breweries do it too, trivia nights and things like that. And I know other people have had uh, yoga days. And the reason I mentioned it is on your site, you've got a, the beer belly yoga coming up on the 30th and you're out there demonstrating all the yoga poses. And uh, so, yeah, I know you're very confident. You're a very confident individual to do all those things. You guys, but I went online today and looked at a lot of your videos with you and John and you guys have a lot of fun with them. And that, I think that's one of the things that you get when you walk into to buckle down is there's always a fun atmosphere going on, uh, especially obviously when there's a few a little more crowded. I mean, the last time I stopped by was after work on a Saturday or something like that, like right after twelve o'clock, and it was it was it was early and slow, but you had a lot of things going on, and the people that were there enjoying the hell out of themselves, sitting at the bar, people saying hi and talking to you, even if you had no idea who they were. But how important is it doing some of these other things? You got a beer dinner coming up on Thursday. You've got the uh, the yoga and some other everybody has live music. I know you guys had it. I remember on your first or second anniversary sitting there and just enjoying the hell out of it. How important is that part of that aspect of the brewery? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, you got to give people a reason to come in and, you know, beer alone, I think doesn't always do the tricks. You know, you've got a lot of different people from different walks of life. You've got families and kids and, you know, single people and young people and older people. So it, it's really, it's kind of, it's tricky to find, kind of the right mix of fun things to do. But I think it's critical, at least for us, uh, because I've, I envision our taproom is kind of our the most important part of the business. That's where I get to interact with people personally and they get to meet my staff and and really experience the, you know, the facility that we have. And you got to give them a reason to come in. And that's part of the reason those, those ridiculous videos we do. It's fun. You know, beer, yeah. should, be, beer should be fun. I mean, it sure. I, I like, I'm all about, you know, serious and tasting things and evaluating things. But at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a, a beverage that, that you can enjoy and have a good time and have a good time with friends. So yeah, it's all about, all about having that fun atmosphere. But a lot of the videos you do also, and, and these aren't even from ones I've seen now, but as you have a new beer coming out and you also had a seltzer come out just the other day, a raspberry seltzer on the 21st and the way you break it down and you talk about why you're doing it, what you put in it and things like that. I think those are really important for the beer guy who just says, well, I'm not sure if I want this. And all of a sudden the video pops up and you explain it and you, they may say, you know what? I want to go try that. I want to go sam sample it. And that's, um, I think that's really interesting too, because a lot of times people will walk into a brewery and they'll just see if there's a new thing up there, where for you, usually when there's something new coming up, you'll have done a video about it already. 
Yes. Yeah. I think <laughs> for us, we've got a great video guy and uh, actually a couple that run all our creative stuff and we've got access to amazing video uh, capabilities. So, you know, I think I'd be foolish not to do it. And it's such sure. an easy way for me. I can spend, you know, a minute and a half talking about a beer and why it's, why it's important and why I brewed it and what the ingredients are uh, versus like a long web page or a big untapped listing. It's just, it's easy for me and it, I, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. And the, one of the things I watched on it, because I, I sit down and made a list of your beers and most of them I've had. Um, actually, I think all of them I've had. Uh, except I've not had the Smith of Wolensky Pale Ale. And I'm saying, that's interesting. And I saw that you have that as one of your, it's on the taps there. And that was an interesting story. And the story you told about how you use certain hops, I thought was very, a very interesting story. How something like that come about? Because let's be honest, people aren't thinking Smith of Wolensky in the middle of Lions. And that surprised me. And then you also have a Tischler's, you have a Tischler's uh, Amber Ale. Yep. And you, you see those and you say, very cool. How do those things come about? Sure, yeah. The Smith & Walensky is just uh, John Cassiello out uh -huh. doing, his, doing his magic, you know, boots on the street. Had a great opportunity with those guys. They they wanted to do a house beer, and and I loved the opportunity to do a pale ale. I mean, I was drinking that beer today. It's it's delicious. I think it's one of my favorite ones we've made in, in a long time. It's hoppy. It's kind of got some bitterness to it. It's a little bit of a throwback, but it's super good. Uh, so that's in the Tischlers, they're great friends of me and my wife personally. And it's just, again, you know, relationships kind of bringing these sure. things about. And that was a cool one. We get to team up with a couple of our local grocery stores, family run places that are, you know, we've got one in Riverside and one in Brookfield. And that's right. That's not normal. Like you don't see those kind of places anymore. It's uh, big chains and big boxes. And what both these places, Riverside Foods and Tischlers do is it's amazing. They're family run they're small they they know the community it's great products it's really fun i think some people might be surprised i know the more i think about it i'm a little surprised with the size of your place you do a lot of barrel aging and that's not easy because you've got to have places to store all this stuff and um you know you had the magnificent and, and the four different flavors and things like that and a bunch of other stuff the stomp and s'mores barrel aged in the in the bombers and things like that is there a certain limit or a number or you just something comes to mind and you say, okay, this would be good barrel aged or how's that all work out? Yeah. I think, I think to me, I think there is a limit. I mean, I, I try to do one every, you know, three, four months, but okay. to your point, Fred, though, it is, it's, it's a lot of space. It's a lot of resources that get, get tied up into them, but I like, I really like doing it. We've got a great relationship with a few distilleries. We get, probably 90% of our barrels from few up in Evanston. They're really fresh. They're really solid barrels. And those guys are, are super cool. So we've got a good thing with them. Um, we're trying to do another one in April. That's going to be a double barrel. So I'm trying to add some more variety. I think we've been a little bit, you know, you brought the stone and sea and, and I have one yeah. of those in my fridge in the basement. I haven't had one of those in a couple of years. That's, that's right. That, that was a great beer. So that's yeah. I think part of it is not just doing the same things. And I think I need to do a better job of, of doing a little more creativity. So we're talking about doing like an Imperial Brown Ale that'll be barrel aged this year, which I'm excited about. We just brought back our, well, we haven't, haven't yet, but Pete uh, Crowley and I brewed Awkward Exchange again a couple of weeks ago. So that's okay. coming back. That's our uh, Belgian Dark Strong with Blackberries. So just trying to keep um, keep the variety. I mean, I, I love barrel outs as much as anybody else, but you know, you've got to have some other stuff. You got to have 
some variety there. Um, Bill now Scott from the uh, Midwest Brew Review says, any tips for home brewers aspiring to open a tap room? And what was the biggest surprise as you uh, planned the business? Yeah, I would say, I think probably the biggest one would be know what you want to be, you know? So like for us, okay. we wanted to be a distributing brewery uh, that had a small tap room on the side. That was a model that might have worked in 2012, 2011, 2013, but that's that's tough now. I mean, uh, it, distributors are are a, a challenge to work with. They're great people. They do a great job, but it's it's takes resources. So I think the model that a lot of small guys are doing now is is outstanding. The self-distributed taproom business is, you know, you focus on your highest profit activities and you get to do a ton of fun stuff and you control your own destiny. So it's right. I would say, so I guess, long story short, just I would say know what you want to do and be confident in what you want to do as a business model and take it from there. Yeah, I, we've had a chance. I've had a chance on here to talk to so many different people and what they've been able to do. And the nice thing is, um, and I've said it all the times, so I may as well mention it with you also, is the way that the business works with so many different breweries. Um, it's very interesting how everybody wants everybody else to succeed. I know as we go along, you know, maybe, you know, maybe not as much, but it's still everybody wants the other guys to succeed because it's your job. It's a passion and everybody seems to enjoy all of the other breweries. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's tough. There's so many to go see. There's so many cool ones. There's a new one opening up on uh, 31st Street in LaGrange yep. Park. I just randomly drove by the other day. Hop yeah. Excited yep. about that. You know, it's there's no there's plenty of mouths that are drinking beer. So. You know, I, I like all of our I don't get to see everybody enough because I work all the time. But, you know, sure. Well, and that's another thing, too, that I had, had written down. You're open seven days. Were you open seven days a week right when you guys started? No, we were th Thursday through Sunday. Right. That's what a lot of places are because you need time to brew. So how yep. do you do it now? How do you do it now when you're open seven days? Uh, we've got a great tapper manager named Barry, who's uh, okay. a fine Irish gentleman that takes a, a ton off my plate. And also... Uh, my wife, Michelle, does a ton of stuff to take off my plate so I can really focus on brewing. I'm usually I'm in it like 7 a.m. I'm like a 7 a.m. to 4 or 5 p.m. kind of guy. So I'm in sure. producing, canning, brewing, but I've got a great team that that helps. So I'm not there till midnight every night. Yeah, I uh, I actually when I was there, Barry was there. And because you said Irish that, that I knew it was him, but I didn't know who he was before. I had not seen him before. And uh, he was there. And I it was so weird, though, because. There were so many different things I could have bought. And my girlfriend, I've mentioned this over the last couple of weeks. My girlfriend told me, she goes, you got an addiction. I said, no, I could stop whenever I want to. And she goes, no, you got to have all the new stuff. So I went in to have a beer at Buckle Down. And you guys had the Stop and S'mores Bombers. And you had all the Magnificent and the Four Flavors. And I said, ah. so I had tried two. And I said, I'm just going to leave. I know I can come back. I know I can get some more, but I'm looking at the tap list now. And I tell a lot of people, one of the best beers I've had, I went to off color about, geez, this is two and a half, maybe three years ago. And they had their beer for tacos aged in tequila barrels. And I saw the cactus pants you have with lime and sea salt. And I'm going, yeah. And I'm going, that's gotta be unbelievable. I mean, because the aged in tequila barrels that Off Color had was, I sipped it and I go, this is, I mean, I've had beer for tacos before, but aged in tequila barrels was like, 
okay, this is over the top. Now they never can that, but it was it was amazing. I hadn't had the the lime and sea salt before. Um, because the cactus pants is ones that that's all you always have that, right? Yeah, we've always got that. Yep. Yeah. It's our it's and, our light light lager. It's our light beer. Yeah, and I try to explain to people about lagers, and because of Goldfinger and things like that, and other breweries, uh, I try to explain to some people how lagers you can't just crank them out like this. They take right. a little bit longer to crank out a lager than it does uh, some of the ales and things like that. But uh, it's nice to see the lagers because there are a lot of people. Heck, all my friends. I was with seven of my or six of my friends the other day, and the ones that drink beer, four of them would probably. I took them to Denver. And I stopped at breweries. I stopped at Great Divide and a couple other places. And I had to tell them, okay, let's get this lager and this light beer and this Pilsner. And because they won't go in for the IPAs and the other stuff. But yep. it seems like a lot, if you can get someone in to drink a lager, then you can slowly but surely transition them into some of the other things. 100%. I think that's yeah. right. I mean, when we first opened, we were mostly ales, some Belgians, but I love lagers. I've always loved lagers. So we, we made... I think Fritzikoff was our first one we made back in yep. like 2014. We got a little pushback from a few of our distribution partners at the time. are like, oh, I don't know, guys. Are you going to try to make a lager? It's like, yeah, we, we're a brewery. We're going to make right. a lager. And sure. it's something I like to do. And that's I probably drink probably 75% of the beer I drink are, are lager beers. We've got a great and awesome new one, which I'm super excited about, called uh, – it's going to be called Tufel Risen, which is a German term for uh, like riding with the devil. Okay. It's a collaboration we're actually doing with Superior Beverage, who's our distributor in DuPage County. And uh, it's a Vienna style. It's going to be awesome. I'm super excited about it. Well, not, not every beer I make makes me very excited, but this one is pretty cool. Well, the 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 hideout hazy. And a lot of times when I see that you're, you've got a beer coming out, I'll mention it on some of the other uh, podcasts and things like that. And um, the Party Pillow, the Hefeweizen is great. The um, Hideout Hazy IPA was really, really good. And the Chicka Chicka, yeah, that's why I was in a while back. When they first when that first came out, I stopped in. And that was amazing. It was Thank unbelievably you. good. Um, for a stout that was um, a little sweet, right? But yeah, I mean, it's a it was very milk good. stout. It's a uh, yeah, milkshake yeah. in a can. It's delicious. Yeah. That was very tasty. Uh, is there anything else you've got going on uh, coming up? I mean, other than your uh, – and will you be there for the yoga, or is it just uh, – have you had enough yoga in your in your commercials or your little you, videos? I did I did pick up uh, a hammy injury in that video. There you go. Tweaked yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might be there. I was talking to actually um, uh, Drew – do you know Drew Walker, who uh, – he runs a show over at US99. He's one of our – Yeah, customers. I know who he is. Yeah, I've never met him, but – and he was mentioning that he really gets a lot out of yoga. So I think I could probably use it. I could probably use a little yoga. Well, I'm really I, mixed up right now, Fred. Yeah. Yeah, I could too. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, you guys got tons of stuff going on. You're always there, and I cannot wait. I know it's right now it's a little snowy, a little cold. But uh, the one thing, uh, you when you talk about locations, and uh, before I let you go, one of the coolest things you have is the way that you're able to get the food trucks right there, right by your front door how they can pull in right there. And that's amazing because I've been to your place a couple of times for the Oktoberfests, which are amazing and tremendous. And I've got two or three of the Oktoberfest mugs sitting in my, in my cabinet over that's here. Right. And I get, a, yeah, I get a couple of the, uh, the glasses from one of the barrel aged one with the plane. I can't remember the, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, barrel yeah. roll. Yes. The barrel roll. And I've got a couple of those glasses upstairs 
and all those things are amazing. And uh, anything else besides the one you just mentioned that you have coming out soon? No, we're always doing we're always doing new stuff. We've got an Italian Pilsner coming down the pike. We've, we're bringing back Painted Turtle this year, so we've got a bunch of a bunch of cool. We, like you said, we've always got stuff. We try to release yeah. beers every couple weeks at the most. So just just staying busy, you know. Yeah. No, it's great. I'm glad I was finally able to get you on. Um, I, I always knew you were there. I knew you were going to be around for a while, so I figured I'd wait a little while and get you on. I'm glad I had a chance to uh, get you on and talk about Buckle Down. It's a it's a great brewery. It's one of like you mentioned. It's one of the one of the ones that's been around the longest, and um, you guys are going strong, and it's great to see. So I appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate that. Let me know if you ever need me to step in to talk a little football. Talk about oh, how, well, how bad well, the Bears are going to blow before, this. Up. Before before I goes, I, I I'm pretty sure I owe you like eight to ten dollars because I stole one of your glasses when it when I got all drunk at your bar. <laughs> it happens. It happens. So I just want to let you know. I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an honest man. I'm an honest guy. I well, you're not that honest. Guys. You're not that honest. You stole the damn I'm admitting, thing. I'm, I'm, at least I'm admitting admitting to it now. Well, but I'll I'm have saying. to bring I'll have to bring you over to Buckle Down, and we'll have to have a few. Yeah, we're gonna have to hash it out. But you have to charge me for like three more beers since it's been like 18 <laughs> months since I stole the glass. So hey, if you can talk me off the edge about uh, the GM coach search, I'll, you can keep the $8. It, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Just, just hang in there. Time. Tighten that noose real tight, buddy. You're going to be in there for a long time. Watch. They'll make the, it, yeah, they'll make the announcement that Leslie Frazier is the new head coach. And, uh, yeah. Well, I, I still can't believe, like, that they're going to hire a coach, it appears, before a GM. Which doesn't make any sense. Oh, it worked but, great last time, didn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's it's, just keep rolling. Let's keep doing yeah. it again. It's been wonderful. Yeah. So I appreciate it. I'll stop by soon. I look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Fred. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ike. Ike Orcutt from uh, Buckle Down Brewing, and uh, yeah, it's a great place. Like I said, uh, December of 2013, they've been open for a while. Oh, I forgot. I was supposed to change. I got one more hat here. I got hats. I figured out the other day. I got about. A dozen 49ers hats. Now there's a story behind these two. They say Super Bowl, you know, when the when the Niners played Kansas City a couple of years ago. I try to forget that day because Richard Sherman sucks. Um, he gave it up. He really did. And uh, but anyway, I tried. Yeah, he's a smart man. He went to Stanford. I don't give a shit. He uh, he sucked and gave up the game. But um, yeah, I order these hats. After the championship game, there's two weeks between between the championship game and the Super Bowl. So I figured there's no doubt the hats and the shirt I ordered for will come. They came the Monday after the Super Bowl. It's like, really? Now I get them to like like rub salt in the wounds after the Niners couldn't couldn't win the Super Bowl over Kansas City. You gotta be kidding me. Um, no, what's up, Fred's can today? I'm too happy, plus my throat's going. And uh I'll finish this. I'll finish this um, stone and sea. And again, if you get a chance, get on over to Buckle Down. Their chicken chicken, yeah, is great. The uh, milk stout belt and suspenders been there for a while. I can't wait to try the cactus pants with lime and sea salt. If you're a, um, you know, you got some tacos, you got burritos, get a four pack of that and uh, you should be in great shape. So uh, thanks to Mike for jumping out in. Mike, hopefully we'll have a show on Wednesday. He puts off shows more than I've ever done in my life. You want to jump back on and explain that? Mike, while you're still there, I am still here. Yes, I am. Thank you. Thank you. You want to want to explain how you keep keep uh, bowing out of shows? Uh, well, listen this this last week was ridiculous. Direct TV, man. I I could I could strangle these people each and every single day of the week. 
They, they are the absolute worst. And I have tweeted DirecTV, and people have hit me up from DirecTV. Yeah, like, really- We're so sorry. We're so sorry because I'll tweet at them. At DirecTV, yeah. you suck. What's going on with my internet? What's going on? And they, they tweet me back. Like they, they message me. They don't even tweet it. They personally yeah. DM me. Well, but, uh, I, this last week, this last week was a bad one. This last week was a bad one. I had no connection. As soon as I go, I, as soon as I went to go live, it would drop me out. I'd go live again, it dropped me out. I was like, you know what? Time for me and DirecTV to have another feud. Here's so, what happened: the the Monday after the NFL regular season ended, I called DirecTV to cancel the Sunday ticket because I'm not going to be living in the same house. I will not have a satellite dish next year. But I know that if you wait a little while, sometimes they grandfather you in without asking you. Mm -hmm. So I canceled the the extra innings package for baseball, and I canceled the Sunday ticket. But they did mention before I left them on the phone call, and they were very nice. Everybody says they have a bad time with uh, customer service. I've never had a problem with their customer service, but I've had them since 1996. How old were you in 1996, Mike? Like oh, seven? Geez, I was I was I was six years old. There you go. Yeah. So I've had direct TV since nineteen ninety six. Eight years old. Eight years old. So they always they always say, Oh, you know, Mr. Hubner, you know, we'll try to do whatever. They said, you know, when you don't have a satellite dish, you can use that direct TV stream. That's been a big thing that's been promoted now. So now I'm figuring out direct TV stream, YouTube TV, what exactly should I end up getting at the new place in beautiful Lockport? I cannot wait. Yeah. It's hey, got a roof on it. Direct TV, it, it's been nice to me. Like it really has been. I've never like, okay, when snow hits the satellite dish, all I got to do is walk my fat ass out there and dust off the satellite dish. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. It's yeah. been good. But I'm telling you, man, I, I've argued with these guys the first the first two years. I, I swear to Christ, I'm dying if I'm lying, man. I swear to God, I argued with these people 18 out of the first 24 months. God. That's too much. Every single every single month, it was like, "Why is my bill so high? What are you doing? What are you?" Oh no, the bill, for? yeah, the bills are high um, because it's like a lot of cable. That's why I'm thinking about streaming because you have to have a box for every TV. So I have I have three in the basement, and I have one in the family room and one upstairs. That's five boxes. They give you a break on one of them. They don't make you pay the seven dollars for one, but you pay seven for the other four. That's twenty eight dollars over the year. So now that I've retired, I don't need as many damn boxes. How many times am I going to be sitting here watching games? Now, after the game next week, yeah, I think I can cancel most of the other uh, receivers. Uh, so It's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. So next week, we'll chat again. We'll talk about the championship games. That'll be fun. And especially if the Niners games. win. If the Niners win, I'll pull out one of my other hats and I'll just keep going. I got Niners. There you go. Probably. I like the old school 80s 49ers hat that you were wearing earlier. That's a good one. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice one. Yeah, I like one. that. I tr- I tried one on today, and it was one of the expandable headbands, and it wouldn't even fit. I said, okay, Mike's got the big head, but Mike was here. Mike was the one that took the wonderful picture of me in the Niners helmet that people saw on Facebook. I say, you got you to try it out one more time. If the, no. if the if no. San Fran makes Super Bowl, you have to do a show in the helmet. No. I will buy another helmet that's a lot bigger. You know, I, I get Trent Williams helmets. Got his head. Got to have a bigger head than I do. So, I appreciate you jumping on. Appreciate talking. Thank you uh, for having me. And uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. 
and uh, head on over to Buckle Down if you get a chance. We'll have another show next Monday. Mike promises he will be on Wednesday. Right? I will be on on Wednesday. I promise I will be on go. on Wednesday. Yes. I've got Mike's sports show coming up on Wednesday. Thanks a lot. I'm going to finish this beer and then take some, I don't know, something to make my throat sound better. I sound a little bit like Barry White, but I can't sing like him. So uh, thanks for watching uh, each and every Monday right here on Hubes Views and Brews 1252 Sports. You can catch us on YouTube, on Twitch, um, here on Facebook right now. And you can also see us or listen to us at least on Spotify, uh, usually the day after our shows. So thanks for jumping on in. Thanks for watching and uh, have a great night.